Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh Amigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your host for this weekly podcast. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we've helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we are continuing our Legend on Legends series. At Influential U, we have a group that is held in our highest regard and admiration. This group is our esteemed alumni. Now, esteemed alumni are those who have completed our four-year curriculum in transactional competence. The most ambitious of our esteemed alumni, or our Green Berets, if you will, study with us in a program we call Legends. Now, our legends are often top performers in their fields and have experienced a level of satisfaction that only comes from years of deliberate practice and study. This program is led in fellowship with co-founders Kirkland Tibbles and John Patterson, and this initiative includes a wide range of strategies to advance and expand each of the members' own application of transactional competence and pave the path in the study of transactional leadership. Over the course of the last few months, you've seen special episodes from us here at Influential U on the podcast. We'll, we've been introducing our guests and then getting out of the way so that you may experience the expertise and communication between two of our participants. Now, this week is no different, and if you listen closely, I believe that you'll hear a level of transactional leadership that is quite novel in day-to-day -day conversation. Today, I get to welcome Ross Clennett and Johnny Washington to our Legend on Legends series. I'll give you the brief bios and then let them go to town. You're going to love today's episode. Ross Clennett is a self-employed high-performance recruitment coach and joins us from Mornington, Australia, just outside of Melbourne. Ross helps high-performance recruiters level up to become high-performing recruitment leaders. He is passionate about the importance of high performance in the workplace and has worked in and handled high performance teams throughout his career, amassing well over 4,000 hours of professional coaching experience. You can find out more about Ross by going to rossclennett.com or following him on Twitter, where his handle is at rossclennett. Johnny Washington is an accountant and financial services provider and the founder of his company, J. Washington Company Financial Services. And he joins us from McKinney, Texas, right outside of Dallas, where he's been working in this service since 1981. Johnny leads his team and is committed to bringing the highest standard of service to their corporate, individual, and institutional clients. At J. Washington Company, their philosophy and culture is one of simplicity, which complements their service. They are committed to helping their customers become financially independent and help their clients meet their goals. You can find more about Johnny Washington and his company and services by going to jwashington.com. Thank you so much for listening, and please welcome Ross Clennett and Johnny Washington to the Influential You podcast. And gentlemen, you guys know each other, so I'm going to get out of the way and just let you guys have a great interview. Enjoy the time. Ross, I, I just got to say, I'm really tickled that they paired us together, you know, because we we came into Influential Ecology, and I don't recall exactly what year, but we sat next to each other for the majority of that conference. So it's, you know, it was, there's no way that you and I 
aren't related. Even if we never talk, we know we're related. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's and, a real pleasure, Johnny. Yeah. Do you do you remember what year we came in? Well, I first participated in 2014. So I was in Fundamentals of Transaction 32, which started in the April and finished in the October of that year. And I just can't quite recall whether my first conference was Ojai 2015 or Ojai 2016, but it was one of those. I, yeah, I don't, I don't recollect either, but I, I didn't, I mean, I was way past you on the FOT. I was FOT 46. Although I knew about influence ecology from inception, it just took them that long to register to me, much to my chagrin. <laughs> you know, so what did you get? I mean, the first course is, seems like one of the most valuable courses there is, is FOT. What did you get out of that? Uh, look, absolutely no doubt, Johnny. Um, I mean, for me, I was at a point in my life where I was just plateauing professionally. I participated in a few different types of personal and professional development and got a lot out of each of those. And I was just finding that I was working harder than I wanted to and wasn't earning as much as I wanted to, although it was, you know, quite a nice living. Right. Right. It's not, not really a problem. And I had, uh, I'd known Drew Knowles for a long time. Um, and so Drew had contacted me about fundamentals of transaction. And it was a classic example of the right call at the right time. Because as soon as he talked about what fundamentals of transaction involved, I thought that's exactly what I need. I need a study program that's over a period of months. I need a combination of reading and doing assignments, and I need some group um, interaction. And so it ticked all the boxes for me. And so those six months were incredibly valuable. And I think the thing to answer your question directly, the thing that really struck me, well, there were two things in particular, accurate thinking, like I was just not applying accurate thinking to what we know as conditions of life. And one that you'd appreciate my financial situation, which I might get into shortly, I was clear I was not applying accurate thinking there. And the second thing was just a lack of focus. As a self-employed coach and trainer and speaker, if you looked at my website at that point, my home page, I think, had uh, 16 different offers, things that I could deliver that most of them I wasn't that particularly passionate about. They weren't particularly profitable and they weren't particularly popular. So it was a pretty easy decision once I realized how uh, my lack of focus was, was unhelpful and just diluting my effectiveness and I culled all but five of those offers. And so now, well, actually it's now down to four. So I really have four core offers. And so I'm earning more and working less than I was um, when I first participated. So that's, that's what I got out of FOT. Uh, well, ditto the, to that for me, it, it, you know, I'll share later. I, I want to keep going down your path for a minute, if that's okay. Sure. Sure. Um, so what, what does matter to you the most? I mean, in terms of those conditions of life that you're talking about, 
Mm -hmm. I mean, where was it that you really got clear about what condition of life you needed to work on? Well, this is a good a good time to talk about money, Johnny, because I was um, ignoring or I was indifferent to my financial future. As a performer, um, I was very happy in the present and money was fine in the present. I'd always had enough. And even though I'd made, made a very bad investment decision a few years before, I had been able to recover. And I looked and as you probably remember, as part of FOT, there is a effectively a stock take of your financial situation. And when I, I don't think my biology has ever been activated as much as when I was doing, doing that, because it was just like, ah, I kind of knew that I wasn't set up for uh, the financial future that I wanted, but that revealed it to me. And so I fired my financial planner, who at that point really was just a financial product <laughs> salesperson. Yeah. And I engaged an independent financial planner. In other words, someone I was paying because if I was going to be paying them, I knew I was going to get a committed service and I knew that I was going to pay attention to what they said. So my wife and I engage Matthew, who is financial planner, and we still engage Matthew. We pay him even more now than what, what we did then, but we do so willingly because he keeps us on track. And in fact, in saying that, we have our, our meeting for this half of the year coming up next Friday. And that just made so much difference to understanding, firstly, where I was, where I wanted to be financially, or we you know, where, where, where we wanted to be financially and the, um, the path that I needed to get onto to make sure that I set up my financial future. And that made such a difference, not just then, but it continues to make a massive difference to my life. And I'm pretty clear that if I hadn't done fundamentals of transaction, I'm not quite sure when I would have come to that realisation that I was just... Um, indifferent to my financial future and I wasn't setting myself up for the for the retirement that um, I'm committed to have. Absolutely. Um, so tell me about your your legends initiative. What are you what are you doing in legends right now? Yeah so so my legends initiative is to do with my sister, uh, Mary. So my sister, Mary, was born 18 months after me and her and I were very close growing up. We uh, we had twin, twin sisters who were born a couple of years after Mary. Um, and Mary, like I did, went off traveling, left Australia, uh, lived for a year in Brazil, uh, landed in London and got a job with one of the ski companies and was a chalet girl in the French Alps. And there she met an wow. English skier. And she went back to England and to cut a long story short, their uh, snow or well, their relationship in the snow turned into something more and they they got married and they, uh, they had a son who was born in... Uh, 2005 and the daughter who was born in 2007 and very sadly my sister um, recognized uh, her breasts were not quite what she thought 
they should be during her pregnancy with a daughter, but didn't get it checked out. And unfortunately, when she did get that lump checked out, it was too late. Mm. And she finished up dying of breast cancer three years later. So that was, as you might imagine, pretty devastating uh, for me and all my family. And when that happened, I committed myself to um, raising money for breast cancer research, which I still do. And in fact, Mother's Day in Australia is this coming Sunday. And every year since my sister's death, I've raised money for breast cancer research. And last year, um, I exceeded $100,000 raised over oh, wow. 11 years of fundraising. And this year, I'm already up to just under 8000 So it's something I'm very passionate about. And that leads me on to my legacy uh, initiative. Um, and actually, by the way, before I talk about my initiative, uh, the condition of life legacy is something I've really come to appreciate through my work, not just broadly with Influential You, but particularly in the Legends Initiative to really think about the condition of life legacy and what I'm doing because I'm 57 in uh, about five weeks. So it really has me think about the rest of my life. And so what I decided was that given that my sister's son was um, five and her daughter was four when she passed away, that they didn't, of course, really know their mother. And so I've committed to compile um, a collection of all the things that I can find about my sister, look at photos, look at articles, um, interview my mother, uh, look at the letters that she sent me when I um, lived in London myself and letters she sent back to me when I'd returned to Australia and she was still living in London. And my niece's birthday is the 18th of December. So my goal is to have all of that complete as a package to be able to provide to her and her brother um, because uh, my niece will be 16 um, in December and my nephew has just turned 17 last last month so I'm using the legends program for this year to really work on putting that together you know that is so beautiful it, it's just so and it's and it's invaluable you know you can't put a price on that yeah you know you know I mean what an initiative it's so cool um yeah how do you how do you hope to grow what what's your your thing that turns you on the most and what you're what you're up to right now yeah um i i suppose i've always been stimulated by learning i mean i wasn't a great student i was an okay student like i completed high school as an above average student and I went to university and completed an economics degree but I think I failed five subjects along the way so <laughs> I, I sort of finished my university um, studies with a sense of I'm not sure whether regrets the right word but a little bit of unfulfilled potential and 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 so I just find the stimulation of continuing to learn, and that's why I continue to participate at Influential You, because I just love the learning, which actually comes from the people in the ecology. And so I suppose the short answer to your question is, 
keep hanging around with smart people like you and Josh and Daphne and John Bajant and everyone else that I that I just so love many. spending time with. There's so um, many, you know. So many because I just think of, you know, my father um, – and perhaps we can turn this around a bit to talk about your background because, you know, I look at my father. My father passed away um, seven years ago and my father grew up in the country in southern Tasmania, which is you know, at, at the time in the 1930s and 40s was quite a remote part of Tasmania. And he grew up and his father had come back from the First World War suffering shell shock and I don't think psychologically his father my grandfather ever recovered from that and he died when my father was 16. Yeah. Um, and so my father was a very good athlete and won a scholarship and then finished up taking a job with the Australian public service because it was a safe option. And I just always feel like my father, although he never said it specifically, just there was a lot of unfulfilled potential there. He was a very curious man and he read a lot, but I just think there was always this, sort of almost regret that he didn't have an opportunity to, I don't know, go and do an MBA or go and study overseas or something like that. So I think it's sort of in, I mean, it is what I want to do, but I kind of feel like I'm almost standing on my father's shoulders to sort of continue my learning and, and growing, which, you know, having as I'm sure you have read those books on uh, aging, that as much as it's important mm. physically to look after yourself, that, you know, mentally you've got to keep stimulating yourself. Yeah. So I guess that's a really good place to segue in for, for you to start asking me some questions. I yeah, share, no, I'd love to. I want to share from where you just stopped. I had no idea that, that we had such a correlation in our family background uh, even though we're across the pond from each other, but I was raised, my whole family were, were farmers. And so I was raised wow. on a farm until I was 12. And then I moved to the big city of Amarillo, Texas, which <laughs> was extreme culture shock for me. But I had, the reason we moved there is my biological father died when I was six. And there were six siblings in this, this past, oh, it'll be two years in August. I lost my last immediate sibling of six and I'd already lost my, you know, my biological dad. And then later on when, when I was 18, she married my stepfather, who was just such a wonderful man. He, um, he had plenty of reason to raise his voice at me. I, I actually gave her away because my brother, who was 12 years older than me, I was 18 when she married him. And my brother didn't show up on time for the wedding, you know, so I got to give her away when I was 18. And then I carry my stepfather's pocket knife. He died both my parents died around 10 years ago uh, at, at the same time i lost a couple of siblings at the same time and then it was really hard when i lost the la the last sibling back in august and yeah, i'm really sorry johnny and for whatever for whatever reason i had extricated myself 
from the family as a result of not from my immediate family, but my siblings had loads of resentment from an inheritance that didn't go our way with a couple of ants. And I, I had enough um, training and development on board to know that resentment is our worst offender. Forgiveness is so important, you know, and I believe my oldest, my sister that died in August died at 68. And that was the oldest sibling in, in my life. We, you know, when my father died, it was real difficult in that every one of my siblings died of either cirrhosis or COPD. Um, Wow. and it, it hit me really hard, but it's really opened up a really cool thing in terms of legacy. So I had a first cousin, the only first cousin left out of our, um, from my grandparents, you know, where, the, and my siblings would not have anything to do with that cousin simply because she was an heir of, you know, a daughter to the aunt that, you know, so that I extricated myself from the entire family because I didn't want to talk about it. And, and, and I didn't want to jeopardize my relationships with my siblings. Hmm. Well, so I thought I was all alone in August. Well, then I started going down this legacy path. And I, first thing I did, this first cousin has lived 15 miles from me for 15 or 20 years. And I didn't go over there and speak to her simply because, well, anyway, I go over immediately when I finished my, my, my sister's memorial, her husband, nor her brother, her son, were going to do a memorial. So I did the memorial myself and I, I just learned so much out of that, that, that and, and, and my cousin first gave me a family reunion, which was my grandmother's, the Morris family, and they had 11 siblings. So I went to that first reunion and it just so happens that some of the Washingtons live within 20, 30 miles of where the reunion was. So I was able to, to go around and, and meet some Washingtons. Like for one of them was my grandparents, I thought took me to white sands, New Mexico. Well, I just met them a year ago. It was Max and Gail Washington. And they took me to white sands and she showed me the picture of it with me and her, her daughter, you know, when we were like seven or eight years old, well, I had it that my grandparents took me there, You, you know? So and it just goes on and on and on. I could just talk about it for hours. And I hired Martha Runette to do the genealogy on the Washington side. Well, then I find out other people that I'm not biologically related to that I'm so close to that no one ever told me that we were so close. If, for instance, you know, they're, they're the Nalls. And when my father died, they babysat me and they had, they had a child one year younger than me and one year over older. I had no idea there were Nalls and Washingtons that married all through the, the lineage. And no one ever told me that. I thought we were just all friends. So what, so what's the end game here, Johnny? Like, what do you hope to get, well, where so, do you hope to get to by the end of the year when we finish initiatives for 20, for the legends? Well, so, so my initiative, my initiative is to get, so I, I, I bought a place and I call it Retreat Ruidoso. It's in Ruidoso, New Mexico. 
And what I was looking for was someone that could house all of my kids and grandchildren. And so I was planning to build a house, build a couple of, you know, a big house and a couple of small two bedroom, two baths for when the whole family, I wanted to house the whole family. Hmm. Well, so I wound up with these six cabins and in an indoor pool there. And <laughs> it, it, uh, it hasn't cash flowed at all. I put it up for sale last summer because I was offended that my grandchildren or my children weren't scheduling time to come and spend there for the summer, which I did from the time I was 12 back to zero in Ruidoso. It's my favorite place in the world to go. Um, Puerto Vallarta has a pretty close second, but not like Ruidoso, New Mexico. So because I spent those summers with my grandparents, and my, I bet on my first horse race when I was six. And my granddad <laughs> taught me how to manage my money. He taught me how to count money when I was three or four years old. And he, he always carried three or $4,000 in his front shirt pocket. Three it, or $4,000. Yeah. And he would have it. He wore a work shirt and khakis all the time. He was a farmer, you know, so he wore a work shirt and, a, and khaki pants. And that's what he wore yeah. every day. Well, it, it had a button down you know, pocket. Yeah. Well, he could put his billfold in there and button it down. He was afraid somebody had pickpocketing because he always had that three or 4,000 in his billfold, you know, but he taught me, he taught me never, never to give up my stake. Whatever my stake was, he learned, he taught me how to manage money. Uh -huh. He let me bet on my first horse race when I was six. So by seven, I was reading racing forms. It's probably why I trade futures and options today. And I manage all of my own money today. According to Google, I was rich when I got the FOT, but it wasn't near enough money that I thought that if I lived to a hundred that I could make it. Well, you know, hang on, well, Johnny, hang on, hang on. I, I, I want to know how you became an accountant because we have both that <laughs> rural background and yeah, well, my father was an accountant and I did a week's work experience when I was 16 as an accountant or in the well, accounting practice. And I decided I didn't want to be an accountant. So how did you come to decide you wanted well, to be an accountant? Well, I decided I didn't want to be an accountant too. I was a marketing major first and... Then I got to thinking it was so much more challenging to do accounting courses than it was in the bit. I was in the, in the business administration, the college of business, right? So it's a, it's a bachelor of business administration in accounting, right? right? But I started in marketing and I got to thinking, you know, I could do marketing with an accounting degree, but I don't think I can do accounting with a marketing degree. So I decided that that accounting degree was much more valuable and it would have me closer to money, which I've always been really interested in money. You know, so I took a correspondence course in, in tax preparation and I opened an office in the front of the bowling alley where I was at one time a pin chaser. And I started doing tax returns for pay right there in the front of that office space of that bowling alley. You know, so wow. I okay. wasn't quite responsible. You have to remember, I I left home when I was 16, my poor mother. Um, I dropped out of high school, quit going to high school in ninth grade. And then long about 21, I decided, you know, I was building, building bowling alleys and sanding them. And I thought, I don't think I want to do this the rest of my life. You know, so <laughs> I, 
I thought, you know, I think I'm going to go to college. So I went down and what they call it the GED here in the United States. I don't know what they call it for a high school diploma. If you didn't really get a high school diploma. Uh, yeah, um, but they don't really have an expression for it. But nowadays, I think they call it uh, VET, which is vocational education and training. Yeah, see, well, that, it's it's different. The GED is like the high school diploma. Ah, okay. Uh, well, so I never did really think I was all that smart. Um, so I went down, took the GED. Well, I'd quit going to school in the ninth grade. You know, when I, well, I passed it, didn't take any instructions or anything. And then I went went down and they call it the SAT here in the United States. That may be all, maybe worldwide. I don't know. But I went down immediately and took the SAT and I passed it. Well, I still didn't realize I was intelligent. You know, I thought anybody could do that. You know, <laughs> so I was probably 40. But, but so my point is, is I was too irresponsible to be a full-fledged accountant from 1981 until 1991, you know, so, and I couldn't seem to get completely through college, you know, so, because I was always doing all these other things, all these entrepreneurial games. That so, I would play. so Johnny, there's a theme here. You took a long, a long while to finish your high school, took a long while to get finally qualified as an accountant, <laughs> a long yeah. while to get to FOT. So when yeah. you finally got to fundamentals of transaction, <laughs> what were you hoping to get out of it? And what did you get out of it? You know, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was hoping to get out of it. All I knew was, is I'd been reading excerpts of influence ecology for years um and before the company was even conceived i knew that it was being conceived i didn't really know exactly what and it's probably morphed into something entirely different than what it was prior to my knowledge of it well and then i i just you know i was already in a growth growth i mean committed to growth and development for the rest of my life and i was already in a growth and development program. So I, you know, I was just resisting getting into another one because some of the ones that I was in, some of the courses were really rigorous, you know, so I, and, and I had, I had led introductions to, to register people for that education and done all kinds of things. And I, I was doing something before I was doing that, you know, and, and something before I was doing that, you know, yeah. you know, so I, I influenced college. So it came a point in time that, you know, one of the, one of the top level executives of influence ecology said, why don't we do this? Um, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to work with you directly and you give me $1,500. And if you decide you want to do the FOT, I'll apply that $1,500 to the FOT. Uh-huh. Well, it's probably one of the longest conversations I've ever had on the phone in my life. We talked for five hours. He sent me an excerpt <laughs> of FOT and I read some stuff in there and it was absolutely brilliant. And, and he had written it, you know, so I, uh, I was hooked, you know, and there I went, I went and did the FOT and I just got so much out of it that I wasn't expecting. Um, I never thought that I could make a lot of money in accounting. Uh, and hence I still 
did entrepreneurial endeavors based on the typical inventor action. I go, I see some value in the marketplace mm -hmm. and I'd go straight to production. I would just, whether I'd done it before in my life or not, I'd see the value in the marketplace and I'd think, well, I can do that. And I would just go, you know, and I'd go straight from, from the top of the transaction cycle, straight down to the bottom and, and, and start working. You so know, well. how, so how, how has that recognition of being an inventor personality help you be more effective in your transactions? Well, what they started hammering on me right out of the gate was focus. Mm -hmm. And what I got most out of, you know, not only did we get the transaction cycle, but we get the influence book and, and, and you know, it's such a valuable, I use those, those distinctions in the, the book influence. I use every one of them every time I take on a new client, you know, yeah. maybe not the individuals because I get lots of referrals from individuals for my business clients. But the and so I don't turn anybody away. I do them from as little as as they are to as you know my demographic is kind of between literally as low as seventy five thousand in sales up to fifty million in, mm -hmm. in sales that we do accounting and tax returns for. Uh, um, and I think I'm getting off track. What was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> so as an inventor personality. How has understanding the way you transact helped you in your oh. transactions? Well, so the focus, you know, I do, I understand that we, there's maintenance on every single thing that I think that I want to do, regardless of how passive I think it may be in terms of passive income. It is never that simple. Yeah. You know, so it was such a, you know, so I ran around in life completely overwhelmed with all these projects that I had and companies that I had. And I, I didn't focus on my bread and butter, which was my own accounting practice. Now I've done several iterations of, of trying to, I, I was really grandiose. I thought that I could have a distinguished, distinguished, which is not one in the United States, a distinguishable market share of accounting and taxation in for small business in the United States. And there's no, there's still no, well, I spent about 10 or 12 of my years going down that path. And then finally threw in the towel, you know, tried several iterations of it, but, and I always kept my private practice, which always paid my bills, but I never thought that I could really make, much over six figures. Mm. Well, since Influence Ecology, it, it, you know, I don't know. I was making a couple hundred thousand a year probably, but since Influence Ecology, I've had I've had a year where the accounting practice alone, I've been in the top 1% a few times in my life, only two years in a row since I've been in Influence Ecology. But for the first time, year before last, the earnings from the accounting practice was in the top 1%, just the earnings in the accounting practice, wow. which that focus that they hammered away at me at in FOT and in my coaching from our, you know, our executives at Influence Ecology and the staff and the, and the, and the, and the, the, 
I can't think of the word for it. It's it's not the it, 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 you know our teachers. It's not the word faculty. The faculty. The yeah, faculty. I couldn't find the word. And I was thinking <laughs> curriculum, all this, that, and the other, but I couldn't get faculty. Well, anyway, they helped me so much that I focused entirely on the accounting. And then anytime I started that I saw some value in the marketplace, well, I think, uh oh, there's going to be maintenance for this should i really be getting into this now because yeah what i'm focusing on is the accounting practice well we will triple we doubled the number of small businesses that we had since i've been in influence ecology and we will triple it again within three years because we've scaled most of the services we do and we're built we're developing you know a client relationship manager and so every ever every other piece is scalable. I just haven't got it all scaled yet. Yeah. Well, it's it scaled enough that we could grow to the tune of we added 30 small companies last year. We added fifth. We're on a path to do 50 over the next each year over the next five years. And we'll do it. We did we did 33 last year. And this is just from me asking clients re mm. for referrals. And it, well, now I'm I'm scaling the marketing side of it too because it's making it a little easier on Johnny. Um, <laughs> we've we're on a path to do 50 this year. We're already, you know, we're averaging 20 uh, 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 five, We're averaging five a month right now. So we've wow. we've got over 20 now since the first of the year. But w I just found one thing that I never, I've been working for 25 years to figure out a way to scale it. And I, and we absolutely nailed it this year with, with someone that did FOT that works with me. He's only 25 years old. He tech took notes back in November. And in January, I get this spreadsheet that he sends over to me and, and I look at it and it's the solution to this thing we've been trying to, he and I've been trying every year changing how we do a process so process focus power of the ecology johnny it's what i'm hearing it's like <laughs> valuable help. asking I mean, for help there's yeah, help there. and you know there's no doubt in my mind i'll be that that i'll i will be consistently in the top one percent for the rest of my career until i choose to slow down but but i have a succession plan where i'm not selling i could sell because it'll be so valuable because it's so scalable that I could sell it for maybe even 10 times net cash flow. You know, well, it's really only worth about three, three times net cash flow in the marketplace. But when I scale it, you know, I can do a subscription model. I can do some licensing agreements. I can do all kinds of things other than just the accounting, but that's just on the back burner. That's just fun. It's just play. Maybe it happens in two or three years, you know, maybe it, Maybe, you know, but maybe if something's strong enough, maybe I'll work on it now. Oh, if maybe, I get a, maybe that's strong enough is, is maybe I should get you in contact with my people so you can just give me that. A big well, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there we go, Johnny. Well, I'll yeah. tell you what, this has been a play. In fact, let me give you a, a quick thing that I, I wrote down. There were three words that came to mind uh, when I was talking with John Patterson, our CEO, about listening to the two of you talk. And, and those words were right here on the top of my tongue. Compelling sweet and transparent and the two of you 
Uh, wonderful. I mean, boy, you rev Johnny up. He he ain't stopping, is he, Ross? That was fun. <laughs> well, you know, I have Ross. a tendency. I have a tendency good. to talk too much anyway. But what good stories and what good um, initiatives and. Uh, Johnny, even before we were talking about how just writing down what your aim was and focusing on the aim from the Legends program helped kind of build revenue. In immediately, your... I got a break even July. Immediately, yeah. it'll yeah. be my first break even month this coming July for Retreat Ruidoso. Yeah. Well, yeah. So thank you for that lesson on focus and 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 Ross, the the story, your your the legacy, you know, and how it's not it's it's often not in our hands. It really isn't in our hands. And the fact that you really are the caretaker of the legacy of your sister, what a wonderful testimony to her life and, and what you're doing. And, and I, I wish you guys both the absolute best on, on those. Anything that you guys want to say to each other to wrap up before we go into the closing, closing moments? Yeah, well, yeah. obviously, the question I didn't get to ask Johnny was, as an Australian growing up, and a teenager what i knew about texas was contained within dallas so johnny <laughs> yeah. when you and i get together i want to know how close was your growing up in texas to people like jr and sue ellen and bobby so for, totally. for another time johnny yeah 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 i well you'll have to you'll have to come and see me in dallas and i'll i'll show you southport Okay. <laughs> you're on you're on that's so okay. fun to hear because yeah. so you know the the things that we heard about australia was just crocodile dundee ross so that's about yeah. fair uh johnny anything from you sir well ross it was just a pleasure to hear i mean about the legacy portion of what you were talking about i mean it was so real and it opened up for me to be able to sh share mine and i'd you know, I so value that, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have shared that if you hadn't shared what you shared. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I really learned something about you, Johnny. And as you rightly said, there's a lot more in common in our backgrounds than we knew prior to this conversation. Right. And we sat together for literally three days, except, yeah. except for one day, somebody got my chair. Yeah. Oh. You, you, you know, so I wound up. Uh, you know, well, anyway, it is what it is. We, we've known each other since our first conference. Yeah, uh, we have. Yeah, that's so good. Well, thank you guys so much for the friendship, for sharing it with us, for sharing your stories. And uh, I'm going to make sure I, I back sell you guys really well because I want people to find out more about you and connect with you. So thank you so much for being our guest on the Influential You podcast today. Now, for the rest of you that are listening, if you'd like to know more about us, you can go to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum that you've just seen on display for those that are seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're new to Influential U, we recommend you get your start with Thrive. It's our self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences. You can sign up today using this promo code. I'll give you a second to grab your pen, but use this promo code and you'll get 20 off. That's 20OFF and that's a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. 
That coupon code again at checkout, 20OFF. Thank you so much for listening today. Each week, we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, so you can easily share this podcast with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you get your podcast. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests today, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we talked about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the influential youth staff, faculty, and our members all around the world. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, our in-studio producer, Michael Teehee, and contributions from John Patterson, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and Liz Smiley. And a big special thanks to our guests, Ross Clennett and Johnny Washington. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on May 10th, 2023. The podcast theme is by Chris Dandring, entitled Fast Train to Everywhere, and if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next time on the Influential You podcast.